Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope on this first Sunday of Advent, and uh, welcome to all of you who are joining us online. You don't get to see all the beautiful decorations that are up around here. You just get to see a little bit of them, but thank you to the volunteers who came out yesterday to help uh, put some of these wreaths up and build Christmas trees and all the rest. Uh, We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Whatever the season, whatever the weather, uh, we believe that God is present with us when we gather together to worship him. He meets us right where we are. Whether we're here, whether you're there, uh, God is with us. That's uh, that's the beauty that we celebrate. One of the beautiful truths we celebrate at uh, at the Advent season and Christmas time is God coming to be with us in Jesus Christ as Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, both now and forever. Everywhere, from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we thank you for for being here in this place. Before we ever even gathered, Lord, you were here. And you are among us. And you have invited us to your table this morning. And thank you, Father. Thank you for that invitation. Thank you for being a God who is worthy of praise. Lord, we lift our offerings of praise to you this morning as we gather here, both in person and online. And as we we begin this season of Advent, Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you today. Thank you, Lord, that you are our hope. Not just one of our hopes, not just part of our hopes, but you are our hope are our hope. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for bringing us together. Whether we've had a great week or a not so great week, Lord, you have been with us. You have blessed us. We've just come through this time of thanksgiving and and thanks living, Lord, is what we want going forward from here on. Be with us through the rest of this service, Lord. May your, the words that, that Pastor Rich speaks be the words that come directly from you to our hearts as we enter into the season of Advent, and we, as we enter into the season of remembering why you came and how you came. We want to lift up our thanks to you, our praise and our honor and our blessing to you alone because you are the only one worthy. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. All right, keep shaking or keep waving, not shaking. If you want to shake, go ahead. Keep waving at each other. Wow, it's been a week, hasn't it? And Pastor Rich is here with some announcements for us. Thank you, Pastor Judy, and thank you to uh, all of you guys. I was going to say the high saws, but it was the high saws were half of the group and then the other half. So thank you guys for leading us this morning musically and, and uh, letting us worship together. Uh, let's see. I think, am I going to stand over here, I think, today? Yeah, that'll work. All right. Um, just by way of announcements, uh, obviously, if you're in the room, then uh, you can grab one of those little cards back there by the offering box. Let us know you're with us and how we pray for you or whatever, and, and drop it in the offering box. If you're giving, you can drop it in there, too. Uh, or you can go to livinghope.info.com. 
Connect to uh, fill out a little digital version of that Connect card. And we really do love it when you uh, share with us how we can be praying for you, uh, thanking God with you. And, uh, and then also you can go to livinghope.info slash give to give online. And, uh, and while you're there, uh, you can give, continue to give to Habitat. I just saw we're just shy of $7,000 so far given to Habitat this year. So if you'd like to still contribute, we'll keep that open through the end of the year. And, uh, and we'll see how close we get to that $10,000 stretch goal that we opened up. And then, uh, and then also during the month of December every year, we invite you uh, during the season of Advent, I guess, in the month of December. So you don't have to wait until next week when it's December. It's still November. Whew, okay. Uh, out in the foyer, you can see there is, uh, there's a big old tree with ornaments on it. And then there's a smaller tree with ornaments that all look like little houses. And uh, feel free to take one of those with you. That's a little reminder to give to First Contact for their, uh, they call it a warm-a-home tree. If you want to help warm a home this winter, uh, First Contact is an organization that they gather resources from lots of different churches, including ours, so that when people are in need and they don't have a church they're a part of, that they can go to First Contact, they'll connect them with the trustee, with other resources in the community, and some financial resources to help, uh, hopefully, be able to keep them housed, keep them uh, with their utilities on. That tends to be an issue this time of year, and, uh, and sometimes with other, like, uh, health needs, medical needs, things like that. So if you'd like to give to First Contact, you can grab one of those little ornaments off the warm a home tree out in the foyer uh, that looks like a little house. It's got an envelope on the back. You can just, if you're writing a check, you can drop it in there and, and send it off to them anytime. And uh, if you want to give to them online, uh, when you're at that livinghope.info slash give, when you're looking at that, I, we've told you you can hit the little drop down to give to Habitat. The one that goes to First Contact is, we, we've called it the good neighbor offering. Uh, because that's what we want to be. We want to be good neighbors to folks who, who aren't a part of our church, who aren't part of maybe any church. Maybe they're part of a different religion. It doesn't really matter. If a person's in need, they're in need. And so if you want to give to that good neighbor offering, that's just like writing a check to, to First Contact on that, on that tree. You can also just give online to that good neighbor offering, and that'll go right to First Contact, go right to neighbors in need. And uh, yeah, that's a good way that you can participate. Um, let's see. Other announcements I wanted to mention. Um, if you did not already grab one of these books, please do, or we might be uh, calling you and seeing if we can drop one by your house uh, today or tomorrow, all right? So we want to make sure that everybody gets one of these, especially those of you who aren't here and able to grab one off the table. If you want one of these, uh, let us know. Write it on that little Connect card uh, or something, and uh, let us know that you want to get one of these books. Uh, it's an excellent little daily devotional guide written by Olivia Metcalf. Uh, uh, I was going to say pastor, but she has been a pastor. Now she's a district superintendent over in upstate New York. And uh, so if you would... Uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've already been previewing it, obviously, uh, trying to get a little head start on you guys, and, uh, and I like it. So every day's got a little something to read and some scripture and some questions for reflection. Uh, so I, I hope you'll grab that and, uh, and run with it. And this Wednesday night is, uh, is a little unusual here. It's something, we're hosting a group that's coming to do a gospel explosion. It's World AIDS Day, December 1st. And so if you're curious and want to know more about World AIDS Day or about resources that are available to people who are uh, living with HIV AIDS, or if you just want to come and hear some gospel music, you're invited to come 6 o'clock, and I think they said it should wrap up by 8 o'clock. So if you'd like to be here instead of our usual Wednesday night activities, uh, we're just going to be in here. So if you'd like to join us, please do. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, the name of this book, I should mention, is called Come, Peasant King. And so in, in your handouts, I didn't get this on the screens, but in your handouts, I went ahead and put the Christmas carol that that line comes from. Uh, some of you are like, Come, Peasant King, what is that? Some of you know automatically, and you're like, you're humming that line already. But there's a Christmas carol called What Child Is This? You know, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? And the chorus, this, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud. Which laud's a weird word we don't use, but you know, praise, to, to praise him. The babe, the son of Mary. 
And then there's a verse that talks about, he said, why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? And mean, not meaning like people were mean to him or bullied him, you know, but mean like, like lowly, right? Why is he here in such a lowly estate, this, the Christ, the King, Son of God? He says, good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Is using that, that same language that John's gospel uses to refer to Jesus as the word become flesh. And saying, look, he came for us sinners. He came for us people who find ourselves in a, in a lowly estate who maybe don't have a place to stay, like, um, like what was true for Joseph and Mary when, they were, when Mary was given birth to Jesus. And then the last verse is where this line comes from. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This recognition that Jesus is for everybody. He's for the peasants. He's for the shepherds who are out you know, working. He's for the, those who are lowly, and he's for the kings who are willing to humble themselves and to acknowledge that this is the king of kings, that Christ is king. And so everyone is invited to come. Whether you're a peasant, whether you're a king, you're invited to come and to, it says, come peasant king to own him, to, to make him yours, to make him, to recognize that he is your king, to acknowledge him, to, to bow to him. That's, that's where the title of this comes from, and, uh, and I really have been enjoying it. So I, I hope that you'll, you'll grab this and, and um, so this, uh, this Advent season, uh, we are following uh, along with churches around the world in uh, looking at themes of, of hope and joy and peace and love. And each week, we're going to have someone come up and lead us in a little responsive reading as we light one of the Advent candles. Uh, this morning, Phil is going to come up. He was up here playing the, are they bongos or congas? Congas. All right, I get those mixed up. So he's, he's been up here already. Uh, you might know him as... Uh, you know, Pastor Judy's husband, uh, or you don't know him at all. So here's Phil. He's going to lead. He's going to light a candle and lead us in the reading. And if you follow along with me in the responsive reading this morning, this morning we light a candle. The light of a single flame is a reminder to us of the inbreaking hope that flickers in the darkness of the world. We have hope in the midst of the darkness. We remember the hope that is all around us and in us through Emmanuel. God with us. We have hope that God is with us. We light this candle in remembrance of the Messiah, who came but also with hopeful expectation of the return of Christ. With all things will be made right. We look ahead and hope of Christ's return. We light this candle in the sanctuary, yet we know that the light is not meant to be kept here in this place, but that the hope of Christ is for the world around us all being hope to the world around us through our works of justice, peace, and love. May the light of hope that we are here be ignited in our hearts and carried throughout the world around us. Amen. Thank you, Phil. That is, uh, that's the theme this morning, is the hope. The hope that we have in difficult times, the hope that we, uh, that we can um, that we place in the God who made us, the God who is with us, the hope that we carry with us when we leave this place. Uh, this is our theme this morning, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 25 for some of that. But, uh, but first, I just think hope is an interesting word uh, that we use in lots of different ways, right? Um, you know, sometimes it, um, it can feel kind of empty, you know, like, um, um, you know, like there's not much basis for it. I'm thinking of students right now who are in school. Some of you, that was uh, not that long ago. Some of you, you might have to stretch back your memory a little bit. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you're in school and all of a sudden it's like exam day, right? And, and somebody's asked, like, oh, how do you think you'll do today? And say, like, oh, man, I, I hope I do well. 
I hope, I hope I don't fail. I hope, you know, sometimes that's based on I have studied, I have prepared, I have paid attention, and I, I don't know how I'm going to do, but I hope that I'll do well. You know, my hope is in my preparation and in the, the resources that I've availed myself of. Other times, maybe you remember this from personal experience, or maybe it's a, you know, classmate of yours. They're like, oh, man, I hope I do okay. And you know that hope isn't based on anything, right? I mean, they haven't studied. They haven't paid attention. They missed half the classes. They slept through the ones they were there for. And they're just, their hope is based on, like, nothing at all, right? And sometimes it can feel like that to us, I think. We, we hear that word hope, and we think, oh, that's just, like, another word for pipe dreams. That's just another word for blind optimism. That's just, another, that's just a way that we talk about stuff that we don't think there's any chance uh, in the world that that's going to happen. But, yeah, you know what? There's always hope, right? There's always hope. You never know. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, maybe I'll win the lottery, you know. Don't play, but, you know, maybe, maybe I'll win it anyway. I'll, like, somebody, I'll, I'll stumble across the ticket, and, you know, there's always hope, you know. Well, that's based on nothing, right? Our, our hope, the hope that we celebrate in the season of Advent is not based on nothing. It's not based just on words. It's not based just on blind optimism. It is based on the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God that's been demonstrated time and time again throughout history and so concretely in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. We're, we're anticipating that. The season of Advent is a season of anticipation, looking forward to this time where we celebrate Christ's coming and as we look forward to Christ's coming again. This is, this is God active in our lives, meeting us in the reality that we live in. And so let's go ahead and look at Psalm 25. Uh, this is an, you know, an ancient uh, poem, ancient hymn, uh, ancient prayer that was uh, prayed by, uh, it was, we think, written by King David and, and then uh, prayed or sung by the people of Israel down through the ages. And, uh, and as people began to follow Jesus and um, recognize that he is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed king of not just of Israel, but coming from Israel now for the entire world, um, we Christians have basically taken all of the scriptures of the people of Israel and said, yes, these are pointing to Jesus. These are, these are, are preparing us to meet Christ, and we recognize these as resources that are valuable for us as well. These prayers are prayers we can pray, and we see them, um, the, the promises fulfilled in what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so this is a prayer. I don't know if you've prayed this prayer. I don't know if you've read this psalm, uh, perhaps in a time of distress, because this is written by someone who is going through difficulty. And... Um, for some of you today, that's, that's why you're here, right? You are, you're going through it. You know, it's in your own life you've been going through it, health stuff, job stuff, relationship stuff. Here we are just on the other side of Thanksgiving, which for some of us was just filled with joy and thanks and people we got to spend time with, and, and it was just a beautiful time. Man, for others of us, this is a rough time, isn't it? You know, your Thanksgiving was not at all like you'd hoped it would be, not at all what, what it had been in the past, and it's just a reminder of people you've lost of relationships that are gone, of, of the struggles that we're all going through. And so if you find yourself in that place where you're like, ugh, man, hope is in short supply, let's, this is for us, okay? This is for us. All right, so Psalm 25 starts out, I offer my life to you, Lord. My God, I trust you. Please don't let me be put to shame. It starts right up front uh, with this statement of surrender, of just, God, I'm yours. Uh, I'm, my trust is in you, God, I offer my life to you, Lord. This isn't somebody who's just like, okay, I'm, I'm, maybe you're up there, God. I don't know, we'll see. This is someone who's at the place where they're saying, like, look, I, I have reached the end of my resources. I need your help, God. Some of you know very concretely what that's about. 
starting by surrendering your life, recognizing that you don't have it in you. You need the resources of, of a God who loves you. He's saying, I offer my life to you, Lord. I, I surrender. I, I have tried it my own way. It has not worked. I have, I have held on to hope based on me as long as I can. Now, God, all I've got left is, is you. I offer my life to you, Lord. My God, I trust you. Please don't let me be put to shame. He says, don't let my enemies rejoice over me. For that matter, don't let anyone who hopes in you be put to shame. Instead, let those who are treacherous without excuse be put to shame. He's like, someone's going to be put to shame here. <laughs> like, so don't let it be the people who are hoping in you, God. Please, you know, let, let somebody else, maybe the people who are treacherous, those people who, who have no excuse for the, the things they're doing, um, let them be the ones put to shame. But those who hope in you, God, please, don't let us be put to shame. Don't let, us, um, don't let this hope prove empty. Right? My hope is in you, God. I'm trusting in you. Please, be faithful. Please, be there as I reach out to you for help. This surrender to God is the beginning of, I mean, it's really the beginning of the Christian journey, right? It's the beginning of, of a life that is truly life, recognizing I'm not my own king. I'm not my own God. But there is a God who loves me, who cares about me, and I'm going to put my trust in him. I put my hope in him. So God, I offer my life to you. In the New Testament, in one of Paul's letters, in Romans chapter 12, he says something kind of similar where he talks about offering our bodies to God as living sacrifices. He's like, I'm, I'm offering myself to you. That's kind of the imagery being used here, I think, is that sacrificial imagery, right? They come to the temple and they offer an animal to, to be killed, to be burned on the, on the sacrificial altar there, which seems barbaric to us, but then we don't spend a lot of time slaughtering animals, period. So, um, but the idea was, okay, God, I'm offering you my, my best I'm giving it to you in recognition that all, everything comes from you, and this is to honor you. And he's saying, look, God, I offer my life to you. I offer all of myself to you, not just a little part of my life. I'm recognizing you are God. You are king, and I surrender myself to you. Whether we're peasant, whether we're king, we're coming and saying, you are king. <laughs> you are God. I'm going to trust in you. Now, this surrender to God leads to a life of being led by him, right? A, a life uh, being formed by him, taught by him. And that's where the rest of the psalm goes. He says, make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach it to me because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. God, you're, you're the God, because you're the God who saves me, I'm putting my hope in you. Again, God proves faithful time and time and time again. And so because God has proved faithful in the past, I'm going to trust him. Okay, God, as you lead me, I'm going to put my trust in you. As you teach me, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to listen. So lead me in your truth. Teach me your paths. Um, sometimes we, we hear this language, right, and we think primarily like uh, about our educational system, the way we get educated, right? We sit, we listen, we, uh, like you're sitting and listening now so politely, uh, we sit, we listen to someone else talk or teach, or we read a book, and we get information, right? And that's super helpful. Information's helpful. It's, it's hard to achieve great things if you don't have the basic information you need to know what tool to grab or what, what to do or where to go, right? You need the information. You need to pay attention. But it's not just information, right? This is, what's he saying? Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. This is a, this is a life. Uh, as, we, as we get further down, um, uh, what is it? Like in verse 10, he says, all the Lord's paths are loving and faithful. 
You know, and he continues to talk just in language of, you know, you're leading me, God. You're teaching me. It's not just God giving us information we need to know. That's hugely helpful. It's God leading us in a life. It's God shaping the ways that we think, shaping the ways that we live, shaping the ways we approach other people. Right? And we've talked about this before, that the world really, the world does a great job of shaping us. Right? We live in a world where there are voices all day long, especially now with Thanksgiving. Oh, I should have brought, I was, I was going to save it for next week. I should have brought the stack of catalogs that's been arriving at our house, you know, telling us, you need this. You got to buy this. You, you know, we've all in Black Friday. Any of you guys do Black Friday shopping? Anybody buy something on Black Friday? I bought a couple things, but not, nothing major, you know. Uh, any of you like to like do this? Not, not a lot of hands, so I'm not going to continue with like, did any of you stand in line? Did any of you camp out or any of that kind of thing? I remember years ago, I showed up at like a, uh, uh, what's the, what's the, Best Buy, because uh, it was one thing they had in their ad. I thought, oh, I'd kind of like to get that, you know. I, I showed up. We were actually uh, in Wisconsin visiting Stacy's parents at the time. It was a long time ago before they'd moved here to Valparaiso. And, uh, and it's the morning after Thanksgiving. We had nothing else to do. I was like, I'm just going to go on over there, see if they still have any. There was nobody. Like, nobody was out there shopping that day. It was kind of a beautiful thing. I kind of felt bad for the people who had to work there uh, that day, because it just wasn't a big, I think they'd had a big crowd for like half an hour. And then, like, everyone else was still in their, you know, turkey coma or whatever. Uh, but this is a season, and this is a world we live in that definitely has things to say about who we should be, what we should want, what we should desire, what should be important to us, how other people fit into our lives. You know, are they just obstacles to be overcome? Are they people out to get us? Are they enemies to be destroyed? You know, are they people that are, are trying to destroy us? You know, there's a lot of that going on right now, especially in our political conversation over the last whew, several years, um, decade or more. It seems like the, the people we disagree with aren't just good people we disagree with. They are the enemy now, right? And we must destroy them somehow. They are out to get us. They are out to destroy our way of life. And that's just ugly, right? The world wants to, to shape the way we view the people around us, shape the way we think about things, about people, wants to shape the life we live. And God wants to shape us differently. We offer God our life. We offer God the way that we think. We offer God our attitudes. We offer God our relationships. We offer God our stuff, like we've been talking about the last few weeks. We offer it all to God and say, God, I trust you. You made me. You love me. So please make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach it to me because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. God saves us not just from enemies, but God saves us from a twisted, misshapen life that looks so much less than the life that God created us for. He, he saves us from a life that is constantly viewing other people as a threat, saves us from a life that is, is always seeing other people as an enemy, saves us from a life of, of selfishness, of greed. God saves us. So we put our hope in him all the day long. He continues, Lord, remember your compassion and faithful love. They are forever. You know, God is consistent. He is faithful. We don't have to wonder if today God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. No, his compassion and faithful love are forever. So we've asked him, please, God, remember your compassion and faithful love. They're forever. But don't remember the sins of my youth or my wrongdoing. Remember me only according to your faithful love for the sake of your goodness, Lord. This is not a person who's got their act all together. All right, the person praying this prayer, this is not just a prayer for like the good church people who show up on Sunday, like all of us did, right? This is for the people who are desperate to know that there is hope for them, desperate to, to know that maybe something can be different. 
who maybe, you know, just before showing up this morning or just before tuning in uh, have been like, you know, utterly failing at this thing called life. And this is a plea saying, God, please don't remember my wrongdoing. Don't remember the sins of my youth. Remember me only according to your faithful love for the sake of your goodness, Lord. He continues, the Lord is good and does the right thing. He teaches sinners which way they should go. You might not have been taught, right? You might not have had wonderful parents who helped shape your life in a good direction. You, you might have had the opposite, right? Or you might have just learned a way to live against your parents' wishes or whatever that was, frankly, not real good for you or the people around you. The Lord is good and does the right thing. He teaches sinners which way they should go. Again, it's so much more than just information. It's a life that he's leading us in. God guides the weak to justice, teaching them his way. All the Lord's paths are loving and faithful for those who keep his covenant and laws. Which, at first glance, like, wait, just, this is just for the people who keep his covenant? No, he's saying, like, this is obviously is for everyone, and he's inviting all of us to keep his covenant, to keep his laws, to listen to his instruction, to trust him and to follow him. Which is why right after this he says, please, for the sake of your good name, Lord, forgive my sins, which are many. All right? This, this Advent season, this Christian faith, this Christian life, uh, man, how twisted we've made it when there are people in the world who think that church is like a, a closed group, like a club just for the people who have it all figured out, that, that looks at people out there as like, well, they're the problem. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> that is not how this is supposed to be at all. This, this thing is doors wide open to everyone to all of us acknowledging that we are the ones who, who need our sins forgiven, our, our many sins. And so we, we ask God, please, would you forgive my sins? And we are grateful that he does. Where are the ones who honor the Lord, he asks? God will teach them which path to take. He gives us the wisdom, the discernment that we need. If you've ever wondered, you know, like, how do I, how do I, how do I make these decisions? How do, I, how do I know which way is right? God is the one who wants to lead us in that, in that good, down that good path toward a good life. That's what he says next. They will live a good life. And their descendants will possess the land, which is a huge deal. That doesn't just mean like they're going to they're gonna have stuff, like they're going to have wealth. They're going to have, you know, be homeowners or something. This is saying these are, these are going to be people, their descendants will be, will be blessed so that they then can be a blessing to others. Possessing the land, yes, means you've got resources to then plant crops and to grow, you know. In, in those days, that's what they were doing. That's what they needed. It's like the land isn't going to be taken from them again by some enemy, but no, they will possess the land. They'll have a, a quiet place to live, and they will be able to offer hospitality. That's a huge deal for people of that day. Um, I can still remember uh, when we started this church, we didn't have a place of our own. We rented a banquet hall on Sunday mornings, Aberdeen Manor Banquet Hall down on State Road 2. Uh, we rented that every Sunday morning. We, we pulled the trailer up, took the stuff out, set it up. And uh, thankfully, as a banquet center, so they already had tables and chairs. We didn't have to do all that. But we had to set up microphones and stands and all the stuff and a projector back then on a screen. Uh, all that stuff. Had to set it all up and kids ministry and all those things. Had to set it all up every Sunday, do church, and then take it all back down, put it back in the trailer, you know. And somebody would haul it away and park it in their, in their driveway. Uh, and when we were still in those first nine years of our church's existence doing that is when one of those rotating men's shelters started here in town that rotates from church to church to church. And, um, and that still is going today. It took a break for COVID, but that has started up again as of October. And New Creation uh, Men's Center, just up the road, they coordinate that. 
They've got a church, different church each night of the week that houses, um, I don't know, a dozen or 20 guys, depending on the night, and uh, gives them a place to be. And we couldn't do that because we didn't have the land. We didn't possess the land. We didn't, have a, we didn't have a floor for them to sleep on, right? So volunteers from this church said, well, we can help staff it at other churches. And we would go to First Presbyterian, and we'd go to one of the other churches, St. Andrew's Episcopal. We'd go to one of the other churches that was, that was housing the guys, and we would go and serve. We would serve them dinner. We would be there. For that one, we had to, at those times, I don't know how it's doing now, but we had to stay up all night. Somebody had to be awake all night. That's one reason why when we started renting the space behind Harley-Davidson on Highway 30, uh, we were excited. We're like, hey, we can help now. Well, all the men's stuff was covered, but there was a group starting to, starting to shelter women overnight. And so we were able, because we possessed the land, I mean, we were renting it, but, you know, we were allowed. We had a place that we could actually, a floor people could sleep on. And, uh, and we were excited to be able to, to host women uh, who were experiencing homelessness. That's why when we bought this building and renovated it in 2014, why we put in a shower in the bathroom that's in the little elementary room uh, right behind that wall right there. Because the women were still coming and staying the night on our floor. And we knew some of them are going to need to take a shower, right? And, well, we might as well put one in. We're renovating this place. We can do it if we need to. So we did. We were excited to, to be, be able to offer that to folks. That's one reason we're excited to be able to offer that to folks this coming week. Uh, one week from tonight, we will have a family with kids staying here at our church. And we've already got somebody bringing dinner that night. Uh, we've got most of the nights covered for dinner. If you want to bring dinner one of those nights, please let us know. If you want to come and especially stay the night, please let us know. <laughs> we still have nights where we need somebody just to be here overnight, and you can sleep. You don't have to stay awake. They'll have an air mattress for you too, just like they have an air mattress for the family. So, but it's something we can do because we have a place. And that's what, that's what this psalm is saying, that when messed up folks like us, when we surrender our lives to God, when we trust him and let him change us, let him lead us down the right path, he leads us to justice. He leads us, he gives us wisdom and discernment. He helps us to live a good life and to have the resources available to be hospitable to others. The Lord counsels those who honor him. He makes his covenant known to them. That, that idea of God making his covenant known to us means like we get to know God. We get to know his love for us. We get to know his commitment to us. That, again, is what we celebrate this season of Advent as we are celebrating that God loved us so much, right, that he, that he didn't want us just to wander in the dark. He didn't want to leave us that way, but he wanted to come and to shine his light. He wanted to come and meet us in our dark reality. That's his commitment to us. That's God's love for us. It's why Christ came. So that we can know God, so we can know his love for us, so we can see the, the depth of that love, the depth of his commitment to us. You see, that's what God does as people come to him. He counsels us, makes his covenant known to us. And he says, my eyes are always looking to the Lord because he will free my feet from the net. When we get caught up in stuff we shouldn't be caught up in, God is able to set us free. Now he goes on and just, you know, turn to me, God, have mercy on me because I'm alone and suffering. My heart's troubles keep getting bigger. Set me free from my distress. Look at my suffering and trouble. Forgive all my sins. Look at how many enemies I have and how violently they hate me. Please protect my life. Deliver me. Don't let me be put to shame because I take refuge in you. Let integrity and virtue guard me because I hope in you. This is, a, this is quite a shift 
from earlier. Now he was talking about his, his many sins and, and how he needed help, needed to be taught the right path, and now he's saying he's going to be a person of integrity, a person of virtue. God really can change us as we trust in him. It might not happen overnight. It might be quite a journey that we get to travel on as he takes you know, who we are and helps us to become the people he created us to be, knows we can be, but we can be people of integrity, people of virtue. He says, let those things guard me because I hope in you. Our hope isn't in ourselves. Our hope isn't in what we can figure out or what resources we can muster. Our hope is in God. Now, with our hope being in God, I, we could take that the wrong way, right? We could say, oh, so I'm not going to put my hope in that vaccine, right? I'm not going to put any trust in that stuff. I'm, I, I'm just trusting God. Well, our hope is in God, and God provides answers for our prayers, like we usually say, through other people, right? We get to be the answer to God's prayers so many times. As someone out there is crying out for help, and God taps one of you on the shoulder and says, hey, I need you to help that person, right? So our hope is in God, but that doesn't mean that we ignore the help that God provides then through other people, through other resources. You've all heard the story, I think, right, of the, the guy who was living in the floodplain and the floods were coming, right? The river had overflowed its banks and, and here they were coming and they were evacuating the area and, and he was there at his house and he had put up some sandbags but it wasn't enough and the bus was coming by and evacuating people said, hey, come on, we're, we're all heading to higher ground. He said, no, 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 God's got me. I'm not worried. Okay, suit yourself. And the bus drives on, right? The waters continue to rise. Now it's up to, his, up to his front porch. He's in his house. He doesn't have a driveway anymore. The sandbags are already overflowed and the guy comes by on his fishing boat, right? Says, hey, come on, man, what are you still doing here? Let's go. There's, there's people, there's, there's a safe place. Says, no, no, I'm good. I, I'm trusting God. We're going to be okay. Okay, suit yourself. You know, drives on down to the next house. Until finally the floodwater is so high, he's up on his roof. He's got no place left to go. And the helicopter comes by, right? And the guy shouts down at the megaphone, lowering the rope, like, come on, I'll get you, we'll get you out of here. He says, no, no, I'm okay. I'm trusting God. Suit yourself, okay. And finally the floodwaters rise and drowns the guy. He gets to the pearly gates, you know, face to face with his Savior, with God. He says, God, what's the deal? Man, I trusted you. My hope was in you all day long, you know. And, and still, you, you let me drown. And God says, well, for crying out loud, I sent you a bus. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? Right? I assume you've all heard that before. And from the time I started the story, you were thinking, chuckling in yourself. But, um, you know, our hope is in God. You know, our hope isn't in other people. Our hope isn't in government. Our hope isn't in, you know, our neighbors. Our hope isn't in all that stuff, right? Our hope is in God, but then God provides that, that help. God comes through for us in so many, through so many other people in so many different ways. With that little line about him freeing my feet from the net, just reminded me, yeah, because God sends someone along to clip that net. God sends someone along to, to set the prisoner free. God sends someone along to help the under-resourced have enough God sends someone along to be hospitable to those who are experiencing homelessness. God sends someone along to give to Habitat or to give to the warm home tree or whatever it might be. This is the way that God provides for those whose hope is in him. Let integrity and virtue guard me because I hope in you. And that's where this thing ends up. Please, God, save Israel from all its troubles. The end of the psalm doesn't stop with me. <laughs> this whole psalm has been about me, right? Please, God, I trust you. Help me. Yes, there are others, you know, and you, you lead sinners in the right way, and you forgive, you know. And at the end, 
It's please, God, save Israel. Save, save my people, my nation, from all its troubles. When we put our hope in God, when he proves himself faithful time and time again, as he transforms our life, as he pours our grace, his grace into our lives, that doesn't stop with us. It's not intended to, right? He, he sends us out so that his grace can flow through us. He sends us out, people he's given hope to, so that we can bring hope to others. You know, we, we light the Advent candles here, and, uh, and this, each week we'll light a different candle. And then at our Christmas Eve service, which I hope you'll join us for, um, we light the Christ candle to, to symbolize Christ coming and being among us, the white candle there in the middle. And then at that Christmas Eve service, we take the light from that candle, and we each have little candles in our hands, and that, you know, that light gets passed around the room as we all light the candles, and we sing Silent Night at the end and all that. And that then reminds us that we go to carry this light of Christ that now lives within us. We go to carry this light to others. So each week as we light a candle, this week a candle reminding us that there is hope, that there's a God we can put our hope in, not just some empty hope, but a hope that is based on God's faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his love that is forever. This light, this hope, is something that we carry with us into a world. Many people who don't have that hope, they, they've got just the empty hope that maybe, maybe things will turn out. And we get to go and say, well, you know what? There's a God who loves you. There's a God who is with you. There's a God you can reach out to right now. He will, he will lead you. He will teach you the truth. He will lead you down a good path. He will, he will help you to live a good life. This is what we have the opportunity to be a part of, a part of God's bringing hope to the world. His light can shine through in our lives. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray to him before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for the hope that you give to us. Hope for our own lives, that our lives don't have to continue down the, the path that they've been up to this moment. We don't have to continue down on a self-destructive path, a, a path that, that is bringing pain and hurt to the people around us. But instead, God, you can forgive our sins. You can give us a, a, a hope with a basis to it, a, a hope with a foundation in your trustworthiness and your love, your compassion, that you can, in fact, change our lives. You can help us to be a people who live a good life, who help to bring justice a people who, who have wisdom and discernment, a people who, who have the resources to help others. God, thank you. Thank you for the transformation you can bring to us as individuals. And then thank you, God, that we get to be a part of your bigger work of carrying your light, bringing your hope, letting your grace flow through us into the lives of people around us who might not have any hope today. Thank you, God, that we don't have to just let the world around us shape us or twist us into some ugly caricature of what you want humanity to be. But instead, God, as we put our hope in you, as we allow you to, to form us and shape us and teach us and lead us, as we trust you every step of the way that you really do know what's best for us, God, you are making our lives into something, something beautiful, frankly, as individuals, as a community, and this, your, your light shines through. Thank you, God. Thank you for those who have carried the light into our lives, and thank you that we get the chance to carry your light into the lives of others. Thank you that we can be a people of hope. 
Uh, this hope is based on your trustworthiness, on your love, demonstrated so clearly in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful to be able to celebrate the sacrament of communion today, to offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, praying that by your Holy Spirit's presence here among us, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, God, that out of love for us, you came to us to be Emmanuel, God with us, to shine your light into our darkness, to take our sin and even our death and in exchange give us grace and life. Thank you, God. We offer you ourselves today. We offer our lives to you, just like Psalm 25 starts with. And we pray that by your Spirit's work in us, that we might be changed, that we might be transformed, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy that is open to all of us, peasants and kings alike, sinners and saints alike. We come to you needing your grace, needing your forgiveness, admitting our failures, and thanking you for being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this grace that changes us, that gives us hope. We thank you again that we get to be carriers of this hope to the world around us because of what you have done in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be uh, down front here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, we've got the regular bread and the gluten-free bread, and we've got the little cups, the individually uh, done cups if you'd prefer that. Or, again, if you still want to keep your distance and would rather not come forward, we've got those little cups at the tables. If you want to celebrate communion today, you can do so from right there. That's, that's your call. Um, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are hungry for his grace, who are grateful for his love. So let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. Thank you, God, for the great love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, and for the open invitation that we have to come to you to receive this grace, this goodness, this life. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we leave this place, as we go on into a, into a week, into a world that's full of people who need hope, that we might be a people of hope, that we might be a people who live confident in your love and your faithfulness, and that we might be able to give hope 
to those you send us to. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.